Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the book, I Needed a Neighbor, by Patricia Sanjin, with permission of Scripture Union Publications. And we are reading the last chapter, chapter 16. Tease forgot his papers and license and became a full-time assistant to Charlie. They were both happy, sensing a deep comradeship that often develops between people of different races and backgrounds when they meet in adversity and share a common project. Tisva loved Charlie for his young laughter and merriment, which assured him that in a world of tragedy and disaster, some joy had survived. He also recognized his vulnerability. Charlie knew so little about the life and culture around him that if anything went wrong, he would not know what to do. Until it was possible to cross the border, Tisva would stay with Charlie. Charlie admired and respected Tisva for his mechanical skill, but even more for his grave steadfastness. Charlie could turn most things into a joke and wrote letters to his girlfriend that would have made her double up with laughter. But sometimes, especially at dawn or sunset, he knew that the jokes were like a curtain pulled tight across an empty space to hide the darkness. He held a responsible job, and things were really bad. All those half-starved little children, the fear that the food supplies would be held up, the anxiety about those desert roads when the rains came, and worse still, if the rains did not come. Charlie shook his head as he thought of all those millions in the West, stuffing themselves and then going on diets. He just could not figure out what was wrong with the world. He guessed that the jokes were his way of coping, but Tisva did not laugh or make jokes. He did not even smile much because he had been right through tragedy and come out on the other side. Whatever happened, Tisva would always know what to do, and Charlie felt safe with old Tisva. So they unloaded and checked the stores and drove all over the countryside, delivering food consignments to the various camps. And in this atmosphere of hard work, friendship, and long, quiet drives, Tisva's strength returned, and he was ready for the trials and the hazards of the rainy season. Together they plowed the trucks through the seas of mud, sometimes floundering and having to lighten the load or lay matting in front of the wheels, yet always managing to arrive, covered in mud but in good spirits. But there were other days when travel on the earth roads were impossible and there was no work to be done. Then Tisva took his New Testament and went round to Isaac on the chance that he too might be free. He had read the book right through, but turned back again and again to the life-transforming story of the resurrection. The opening words of Jesus to his disciples in the upper room had greatly moved him. Why are you so frightened? Look at my hands and my feet. He remembered Isaac's words. What had he said? Something like, What you commit into his hands comes in contact with his wounds. He bathes it with his love. He brings something beautiful out of it. As far as Tisva knew, he had committed his life, his children, his present, his future, into those hands and had found peace. Because he had lost so much, it was not hard to say in all simplicity, I and all I have is yours. But he was beginning to realize that total commitment involved responsibility, loyalty, and service. And in this area, he was still groping. Isaac had shown him the verse, Christ did die for us all. He died so that we would no longer live for ourselves, but for the one who died and was raised to life for us. But Tisva still needed to work out that detail. How could he live for his risen Lord in the shelter, in the truck, on the mud tracks, and in his limited conversations with Charlie? Prolonged sorrow and hunger seemed to have affected his memory, and he had forgotten much of the English he had learned. Isaac told him to live a day at a time. In the future, he might go back and tell the message to his own people. In the meantime, he would obey the commandments of Jesus and seek to live the life of Jesus that he now realized 
had been given to him by the Holy Spirit. So he poured out all his newfound love into his work and the care of the truck. Charlie, impressed with his faithfulness and selfless patience and rigorous punctuality, felt vaguely and rather uneasily that he was living in the presence of a saint. It's weird, he confided to a friend. If he'd just once get angry, get drunk, or have an affair or something, I'd feel better. It's even rubbing off on me. I discovered the other day I never swear when teeth fell around. The days were lengthening to midsummer. The great rains that had fallen prematurely had held off for nearly a week, and the sun and the wind were hardening the tracks. We've just heard that collars broke out in the middle camp, said Charlie one morning. They need urgent medical supplies. We'll go after lunch, Tisva, okay? Okay, said Tisva. I'll help you load. It was a bright, windy afternoon, and Charlie drove fast. Once on the desert track, they slowed, for the soft earth made driving difficult. But Charlie enjoyed dodging the routes, ruts and swerving around the puddles. When the tents came into sight, Charlie calmed down. He gazed at the great shelter, standing apart. I suppose that's where they're nursing them, he said. They say that some have died. We won't stay here longer than we need. Let's go to the store and unload. He drove along the back of the store and turned the corner faster than he should have done. And then, in one second, it happened. A small child suddenly ran out from behind a pile of cartons and disappeared under the truck. Charlie slammed on the brakes with all his might, jerking himself and Tisva against the windshield, and, and an old woman screamed at the top of her voice. Charlie groaned, Oh, no! And his head struck forward onto the wheel. He groaned again, Tisva! Tisva! Tisva, feeling sick and faint, climbed out of the lorry and went down on his hands and knees, expecting to drag out a, a mangled little body. He peered under the engine and found himself looking into the startled, bony face, two dark eyes sunk deep in their sockets. The child had not been hit. He had tripped and fallen exactly between the wheels and was now in the process of crawling out. Seeing a man's face close to his, the child stopped and stared. Tisva stared, too. The bump on his forehead must have affected him badly, for he was seeing things. He wasn't quite sane. He wished that the old woman would stop shrieking, for then perhaps he could get things straight. It was stupid to be lying in the mud staring when he should have been telling Charlie that all was well. But he just couldn't stop. He no longer seemed to be lying in the mud. He was back at home in the mountains, and a tiny boy was running to meet him, smiling at him with those same eyes. Tikla, he whispered, and pulled him out. He sat down by the side of the road and took the, took the muddy, greasy little figure onto his lap. Tikla, he said again, where's Merritt? She's ill and they took her away, said Tikla. But he spoke wonderingly. It was true that they had not been parted long, but it was long enough. And in that time, so much had happened. And now his memory was stirring. They might have remained staring and wholly wrapped up in each other for a long time had it not been for the yelling of the old woman, who seemed to think that Tikla belonged to her and for an ashen-faced Charlie who climbed out of the truck. Is he really okay? he asked stakenly. Tesfa turned to him, and now he really smiled, a big ear-to-ear -ear grin. This is my son, he said, and he is very okay. And next time we will find out what happens next. Until then, I'll be praying for you, and I love you, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.